are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome. This would be episode 32, and it's going to take a page from our current astro weather. Mercury, our topic of last week, will begin its next retrograde period in June in Gemini, where Venus is already going retrograde. So review, review of relationships and communication in said relationships and networks and, oh yeah, those bubbles that we're all in, etc., will be top of mind. But as a reminder, inquiring minds want to know how to mine a chart for information, eh? Well, any dive into a chart runs the risk of seeing a particular element in isolation, like the problem of the blind people describing the elephant. Please always bear this in mind. So, my disclaimer has been disclaimed. So far, we have looked at the elements of the big picture, like the balance of earth, air, fire, and water. Also, the modes of expression, cardinal, fixed, and mutable. Last week, we took a trip into one planet out of the seven traditionals to consider. As you can imagine, there is plenty of material. It's just where to begin. Questions are a great place to start. And typically a client has one or they could not or they would not come in to see us as an astrologer. Let's start with a basic question and one of the most common ones that astrologers get. Now, when I was first writing this piece, I went, oh, wait a minute. This has really changed in the last 20 years. So when it comes to relationships, we also have to look at the age and where they are in their history with relationships. Um, Back in my day, there was really only one choice. You were, especially for women, you were basically um, a neutral entity until you got married, and then you could be a woman and have your sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. But until you got married, you were, yeah, relationships, platonic, maybe, but even that was kind of suspect. Men, on the other hand, of course, could sow their wild oats and with who you never knew because all of us were supposed to stay pristine. You know, there was, it was, yeah, not too simplistic. Counter that with today, and I'm old, so I don't really totally know if I'm even using the correct expressions anymore. You still can have the platonic relationships. They're not frowned on at all. But now you get to do hookups, which are just about, I think, sexuality. And that's it. There is no partnering implied or wanted or even sought after. Okay. Uh, Back in our day, the partnering thing, we would have called that, ooh, that taboo thing called living together. But I think now that that's actually quite common. And again, in partnering or living together, it isn't always necessarily about monogamy, okay, or that this is that permanent commitment. But I still think we probably do have a section of the population or 
people that do want that long-term commitment. But there is this gradation now, which uh, I'm sure younger astrologers are taken into stride completely, and me as that old person coming back <laughs> into this whole scenario, um, I'm going to have to learn how to adapt because, hey, why not? It's what the client is doing. We have to respect where they're at, etc. Okay, so they come in with the question, what about relationship? Let's look at just what answering this question might entail. Okay, so sometimes you're asked just to be creating an electional chart for the date of the commitment, the wedding. Um, that does still happen and it is quite a viable option. Or you might be asked the more specific question of when will I meet the one? And of course you will have to consider the age and the following, you know, that past little piece of styles. Um, which type of relationship? Are you looking just to hook up? Are you looking for the partnership? Are you looking for the commitment? How old are you? How much of your own development have you crossed? Okay. So one of the things that I don't think I will drop goes like this. Prior to the last quarter square that transiting Saturn makes, which is at between 19 and 21, I would be looking for type descriptions that said client could experiment with the planets Venus and Mars as a type, and if said client's not very mature, the sun and the moon as well. After they turn 21, people are beginning the prospect of seeing where they fit into society as a whole, and to do this journey with someone is quite common. So this would be the partnering or living together, and for some, they do. They marry prior to their Saturn return. Um, so, and it's also, I've noticed, more common now that people do, you know, go, okay, I'm ready to make this solid commitment and they will do it after they turn 30 or their 30 or their Saturn return. And from my point of view, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, you've, you're fully arrived, you've had some lived experience, uh, you know yourself and you can make, um, aware choices about what you're committing to. Okay, now for those that do marry prior or make a major commitment prior to their Saturn return, there will be a serious review of that relationship around the person's Saturn return. And necessarily so, um, yeah. If the relationship survives that test, it will have some tremendous glue if it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it wasn't successful. It was just, it was part of both people's, <clears throat> excuse me, growth. Okay, <clears throat> the actual mechanics of being in relationship for the long haul takes practice. If you have looked at the relationship picture in a chart, you can ask some very pointed questions that will let you know how aware a client is of their particular needs in relationship and if they've been holding up their side of the bargain. And so typically I will ask those questions before I commence actually telling them what I see in the chart um, because that skews 
what I emphasize and what I don't have to emphasize. But let's say we've got uh, someone coming in who doesn't have somebody in particular in mind, um, but is needing to develop the list. What do I need to look for? You know, if I'm an Aquarius, should I look at a Pisces? If I'm a Taurus, should I look at a Sag? Um, so the first thing I usually have to do is kind of clarify that simplicity um, and to let them know that what, what a chart will tell me has way more nuances than just one sun sign to another sun sign. Okay, so what I do start off with um, is a look at uh, those elements and modes that I talked about in the last couple of uh, episodes. And so, for example, if the sign on the seventh house, which is the house that contains uh, not all of the relationship dynamics or challenges or but it's the best place to start in terms of building your list for a positive, successful hookup connection. Although hookup wouldn't really necessarily fall in the seventh, it might fall in the eighth and the fifth. You know, as an old astrologer, I'm gonna have to get up to speed on that. <laughs> okay, so I'm thinking of the more, you know, partnership, living together, committed style here with the seventh house. So with the seventh house, if we have a cardinal sign, and that would be Aries on the seventh, Libra, Cancer, Capricorn, the cardinal group, they will, be, they will need a dynamic person capable of starting their own things and showing up for life. So if you have a fixed sign on the seventh house cusp, Taurus, Scorpio, Leo, Aquarius, they will need steadfast follow through and commitment will be required. If on the other hand, you have a mutable sign on the seventh house, Gemini, Sag, Virgo, Pisces, they need flexibility, goalposts that can change on the fly. Now the next piece you add to this picture is what is the element that's on the seventh house? So for instance, fire signs, Aries, Leo, Sag, you have one each of the modes. You will want, need a hot spark, assertive, direct, big partner. Why? To create a balance to the opposite air signs. Okay, so with Aries, you're looking at a Libra rising person. Okay, with Sag, you're looking at a Gemini rising person. With Aquarius, you're looking at a Leo rising. Okay, so that's that balance. The air signs, this is an element of production here, just not in a touchable reality, but in the realm of the mind, symbol making, language, math of esoteric knowledge. Some would argue what sets humans apart from the other sentient beings social configuration to balance that fire. As you can see, if you place an air sign on the seventh, you have a fire sign rising. Relationships are about opposites that are learning balance. 
Okay, with the Earth signs, we have Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn on the 7th. You will want, need someone who is practical, who can get it done, leading by practical example, and can work well with others. Talk must make sense and be delivered correctly and create that sense of an anchor. Now, water is the balance point for the Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn 7th house. Okay. So if you have water on your seventh house, you're looking for someone who can deliver receptivity, nurturing, embodying the fullness of emotional expression. Okay, so we also have in those two mixes, so the first, the fire-air combo, okay, that would be the masculine or yang, and the other pair of opposites which is the earth water this is the yin pair now what i've just described is a really basic broad brush stroke okay and um but it is the first place to start with the list okay so what i um realized that i can't possibly go through all of the above permutations that would be 24 combos and Fortunately, I only have an hour, <laughs> but I am going to walk through the remainder using three examples from my um, celebrity chart files. Okay, so I will model a cardinal on the first seventh house, a fixed on the first seventh, and a mutable on the first seventh. Um, and then if I have time, depending on how it's going, I will also include three charts from client files, just so that, I mean, some of these worked out really well, but that's because we have the history to go with them. Okay. So, and of course the charts are up. I'm not going to name them till the end of the presentation in case you haven't looked at the charts on the website, just to see if you can guess who I'm talking about. Okay, so Harry is the first chart we're going to look at. Harry has Capricorn rising, which puts Cancer on his seventh. This guy is looking for a cardinal Cancer type. The first brushstroke would be a dynamic person capable of starting their own things and showing up for life that can also be receptive, nurturing, and embodying emotional expression. Okay, so the next step in describing the seventh in more detail is A, if there are any planets, which in Harry's chart there aren't, but it who is the ruler? And in Harry's chart, there are no planets there, but the ruler is the moon. He has moon in Taurus in the fifth. Now we add a fixed element to that cardinal element. You might say he wants someone who can show up and start things, be emotionally sensitive, who can follow through and get her done and be committed. His moon is exalted in Taurus. Ergo, his partner will probably need to be good at fifth house things, creativity, being playful, and likes children. It's Taurus, so enjoying embodiment will also be an important consideration. Now, we will come back to this moon. Next, I would look at Venus. How does he relate? His Venus is in Libra in the 10th. Oh, 
Now that places a great deal of importance on relationships, makes them public, so said partner would have to be okay with the public aspect. It is Libra, so to be his equal, to share that public spotlight. This could easily translate into a pair who worked in the same field, like two lawyers, for instance, or run a company together, or are equally successful in the public eye. The social aspect is also critical. This is Libra. Grace and beauty here, savvy in social settings, able to work a room. Venus in her own sign is comfortable in her abilities and she rules that exalted moon, adding ease to this person. So we can't have some sort of socially inept, although beautiful, that wouldn't work, right? So Harry is going to have to be diligent and particular to find the right person. Now, back to that moon. This moon has a hard aspect from Saturn, an opposition. Oppositions in charts speak to lessons and maturing that will come through relationship to others. Moon-Saturn would speak to a number of issues, but given the signs here, we have an emotional roller coaster needing a practical anchor. Moon-Saturn are natural allies in the balancing game. This Saturn is Harry's ascendant ruler, which shows his life direction and his vitality. We have come full circle in this chart. He is looking for someone who will demo or complement his own journey through Scorpio 11th house Saturn, taking responsibility for emotional expression in ways that foster productive, fully engaged living. When he's able to do that, he will find a partner who can complement that and not take that job on, which is what oppositions usually portend. If we don't own them, we project them on someone else. And when they don't do it as well as we think it should be done, we beat them up for it. <laughs> when it's actually our issue and one we have to own. Okay, so who have I been talking about? Why, of course, Prince Harry. And I'm thinking next week, uh, that I might just do the sinistry between his and Megan's chart to see just how well he picked. Okay, at this point, you would brainstorm with a client as to who they have been attracted to and how much of this picture was met. Sinistry, the comparison of two charts for compatibility, takes a look at relationship from a whole different angle. Its starting point is not who, because who is there, but do these charts trigger good workable energy or not? And I really, um, I find a lot of good information doing sinistry. Okay, now our next fellow up is David. David has an Aquarius rising, which puts Leo on the seventh. He's gonna be looking for someone who, um, is a hot spark, is assertive, direct, a big partner. They will need to be steadfast and follow through and commitment is required. So Leo on the seventh, no shrinking violet please and a solid commitment. But David has a lot of action in his seventh. He has Saturn, ruler of that Aquarius ascendant 
and the moon in Leo, and they are conjunct here. This paints an important picture that strongly emphasizes the possibility of projecting personal work onto a partner or looking for said partner to do those pieces well because the native won't or can't. So we might find a person who has a hard time taking responsibility for their emotional story and see that they are responsible for their own feelings. In other words, he may pick someone who lacks self-control and there will be drama. But what we're actually saying is something that the native themselves, David himself, must at some point in his life take that back and own it in order to be able to actually have a functioning relationship with another person. Once he understands his own part, then his partner will be someone who has self-control in a good way. From a Hellenistic perspective, David is looking for his reflection slash twin. Moon is our soul and the ascendant and its ruler our own sense of self. Placing both of these in the seventh, well, it would be hard to see other, as I've already said. The sun is the ruler of that seventh and it's in the twelfth in Capricorn, co-present with Mars and Mercury. This adds an element of difficulty that requires over the course of his relationships and life direction that he matures and takes action to establish himself as an authority in his own right. His Venus is in Sag on the 11th. This is quite a swing from the above except in energy. Fiery Sagittarius can play with Leo but not willingly with Saturn. Relationships must have an element of adventure and exploration in the 11th house of social groups. Could someone actually follow him or be seen by him? Very questionable. Again, it, it would all depend on how mature that Saturn became. But groups of people could see him Venus in the 11th as being part of their group. His best one-on-one -on -one could be with a crowd. He can commit to that and they to him. Okay. Thank you, David Bowie. Interesting. He did have relationships. Um, he did have one child, I believe, uh, but most of his relationships were not long-term. Uh, and uh, and his exploring was extensive. I mean, there were he he blurred that line in terms of orientation. Um, yeah. Okay. Now our next person. Let's see where did I go from here? Right. Our next person. I turned the page before I even started. Oh, you silly person, you. Okay, Catherine is next up. How am I doing? I'm doing well. She has Virgo rising, putting Pisces on the seventh, a mutable sign. They want someone who can be flexible, who is all right with the goalposts that can change on the fly. 
also is looking for someone who is receptive and nurturing and embodying the fullness of emotional expression. Catherine is looking for fluid relationships that can be emotionally, energetically in tune. She needs the right vibe, almost like that, um, you know, 70s idea of the soulmate signature. She has no planets in the seventh, okay? Jupiter rules that house and is in Capricorn in the fifth conjunct Saturn. The partner must be demonstrate must be able to demonstrate responsibility for creating structures for creativeness and playfulness and children. Okay. Which would be doable except this is a night chart. So not so easy. So she may try this out, but it would not probably work out. Catherine must develop this herself. Being in sync is not about absorbing someone. Her Venus in, is in Libra in the second conjunct Mercury. A true partnership of equals that can share resources and social capital. They will need a language and the ability to be open and in public because she is Gemini on the 10th. Okay, so looking for someone who's practical, who can be playful, um, and uh, playful with a mission because that was Jupiter, you know, ruling the seventh. That's in the fifth and that's in Capricorn. Okay, and, and then there's this whole social piece. Um, and to be able to share social capital. Okay, who we've just been taking a look at is Katie Lang, and she has kept her relationships and her current status or even her past status totally out of the public eye. Okay. Now, like I was saying, sinistry is when I put two charts, you know, so the who has already been picked. So we're no longer talking about the list, which is what I've just been talking about, how to make the list of who you're looking for. You found that person. So now we take two charts and we look at them. And I will go on next week and take a look at Megan and Harry. But I also realized that um, because I do have time to look at some personal charts that I brought, um, that here's, a, here's an opportunity. Do you want to become an anonymous chart show example? A chance to test the usefulness of astrology for free. If you're interested in having a question answered, uh, using your birth chart, then please go to my website, uh, www.cardinalastrology.ca. Um, and on the how to contact page, you can, you know, fill in your birth information and ask your question. And I will start to do this on my show. Instead of using celebrities, I'll use real people. I will not name names or give birth data so people won't know, but you'll know. Because um, I'll probably just say the day and the month, not the year. Yeah, the day, the month, and the year. And um, I won't put the charts up, obviously. So I will list off where the planets are, but given the seven traditionals, 
to try to figure out, yeah, no one's going to take the time, trust me. <laughs> so you will be anonymous. Anyway, so I do have a couple of anonymous charts that I've pulled from my files just to give you some other examples of how to build a list. And again, given the time, um, I am going to again do a cardinal, fixed, and immutable example. Okay, so my first one is a cardinal example. So this person has Libra rising, that puts Aries on the seventh. So the start of their list would have to have someone who is dynamic, a starter, who can show up, has a hot spark, assertive, is direct and big. That's all that fiery cardinal energy. Okay, Mars is the ruler. And this person, by the way, didn't, doesn't have anything in the seventh. Okay, so that Mars is in Capricorn. Hmm, so a double cardinal. Uh, again, would need to be a self-starter. But now we're adding, and this Mars is in the fourth. So stable roots. They'll be, on their list will be, are they connected to their family? Is their family system stable and concrete and well-structured, et cetera, et cetera? Um, and somebody with ambition, okay, that comes naturally out of the environment that they grew up in. Okay, so their Venus, their style of relating is, adds a twist to this. And um, so they have Venus in Aquarius. So there is a broad social connection that they would also want to have honored or complimented. Uh, with Aquarius relating, it's want to be connected to all sorts of people and different types and different causes and different uh, social um, groupings. I think I've just repeated myself. Yeah. Anyway, so that would be important on the list. And the final piece that I would really note here um, is that when it comes to raising children, because this Venus is in the fifth and it rules that ascendant. So children must, must want to have children and be very committed to raising them in not necessarily the traditional way. This is Aquarius. So a little twinkle there to, you know, person's going to have to be on board given this list. Okay, the final piece that I would say is that Mars, which ruled the seventh, is opposite the moon. So there would have to be, this person would have to be able to own their own feelings, their own sensitivity, and how they were asserting themselves. So here what can happen is the emotional sensitive side could project the, um, the assertive play by the rules Mars and Capricorn make the guy do that because this is a woman's chart and that actually wouldn't pan out she would have to be able to take her own sensitive nature and be able to direct her assertiveness herself um, and take that from a projection on the guy okay now our next sample Okay, I think I'm only going to get through two. 
because I do have some other stuff for us. Actually, I think I am going to move on to our other stuff. Okay, because what I have is a bit of a preview for the month of June. And what we have... Okay. So, because we start a new month tomorrow. So a quick peek at what is in store for June. The big picture look at where the planets are. The rundown goes as follows. The slow-moving outer planet of Pluto is at 24 degrees of Capricorn and is retrograde and does not leave that degree all month. So if you have 24 degrees of cardinal signs, Aries, Libra, Cancer, or Capricorn, you are still doing deep transformative work in June. There is a really nice reprieve when Jupiter backs up to Pluto within a degree starting on June 22nd through to its exact conjunction on June the 29th. You get the light at the end of the tunnel and you realize that it probably isn't a train. Yay, you're winning in your process. For the rest of us, uh, that conjunction, we may see more rollout of stimulus to get the economies going. Uranus is moving direct, but very slowly, going from 8 degrees Taurus to 9 degrees over the course of the month. The Moon and Mercury are the only planets that trigger Uranus in June, and Mercury will give us data on the state of our planet. Okay, Neptune is at 20 of Pisces and will finally station and turn retrograde on June the 22nd. Both Mars and the Sun make significant aspects to Neptune. The first to ring the bell will be the Sun, but Mars is not far behind. So an important set of dates from the 19th to the 13th of June, Mark as a no-go for anything requiring direction and assertiveness. Saturn, meanwhile, will continue slowly retrograding through Aquarius until he passes back into Capricorn July the 1st. Will we return to normal programming or not? That will be the big question. Venus, of course, is still retrograde at the start of June, and now she has gone invisible and will come out from the sun a changed girl. The 3rd of June marks her death rebirth moment, and the rise completes on June the 24th when she stations direct at 5 Gemini. She first passed this degree on April 9th. Okay, so what I mean by um, that rebirth point, this is when in going retrograde, Venus and the Sun line up on the same degree. And um, there are, I've been listening to a few podcasts that mark this degree, and it can be report important in terms of relationship cycles. Um, and I could down the road possibly do a podcast or a, a show on that particular topic. Okay, so meanwhile, Mars 
having tangled with Neptune on the 13th, remember we got to mark that from the 9th to the 13th, uh, continues on leaving Pisces for his home turf of Aries on June the 28th. On the monthly forecast presented by host Chris Brennan with uh, Austin Kopic and Kelly Surtees, they all recommended paying attention to this ingress, Mars into Aries, and begin to look at how you might handle Mars Aries gasoline. We all have from June the 28th till about July the 24th to get a handle on Mars here because he will be in Aries until he flames out in Taurus on January the 6th, 2021. So that's almost six months of Mars in Aries. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit concerned <laughs> to say the least about our neighbors to the south with Mars being in Aries and all that gasoline. Um, yeah. Uh, because Mars is, is in Pisces right now and the United States are not doing well uh, in terms of uh, over-aggression. And yeah, it hasn't even hit Aries yet. Okay, prayers out to the U.S. Also in June, we begin the eclipse season, which places added strength to new and full moon, setting tones for upwards of six months. Um, I will do a show on eclipses. Uh, I have several um, podcasts that I can listen to and sort of digest. Eclipses happen in um, sets, in particular signs during, you know, so they will last for a few years. They've been uh, on the Cancer Capricorn axis for the last few years. They will now, and, and the nodes travel in reverse order around the zodiac. So uh, they don't go from Capricorn to Aquarius. No, they go from Capricorn to Sag. And so the first of the Sag Gemini eclipses, and this is just a partial eclipse, um, happens on June the 5th, but it's going to be from Sag to Gemini. And so wherever that axis falls in your chart that's where the eclipses can have an impact and again they set a tone and it lasts for six months uh, so for those who are studying in astrology it would be worth noting okay so if that axis is let's say first seventh then that would be all about relationships if it's second Eighth, that would be about finances and shared resources. Uh, third, ninth, travel, communication, schooling, siblings, that type of stuff. Fourth, tenth, home, career. Fifth, eleventh, children and your position in, you know, who you're connected to out in society. Sixth, twelfth, health and confinement. So, uh, something to bear in mind. Okay, our friend Mercury is in Cancer for June, and on the 17th of June will start his next retrograde period for this year. He stops at 14 of Cancer and will back up to the 5th degree of Cancer, where he stations and turns direct on July the 12th. 
What is particularly interesting is that Venus and Mercury will both be retrograde for a period of about seven days. And that's from the 17th of June to the 24th. Talk between partners will likely not come to any clear consensus during those days. Again, like the uh, Mars, Sun, Neptune, little group of days you want to mark on your calendar, this is another set. Okay, our summer solstice occurs on June the 20th at 2.43 p.m. here in Powell River. This mundane chart can describe our forthcoming summer experience, and I actually put that chart up on the website. And depending on time, yeah. Okay. So the citizens of Powell River are represented by the moon and it is in Gemini in the ninth and is directly square by Mars. Ooh, don't like that. And that Mars is in the sixth house. Don't like that at all. Okay, we are philosophical about the situation that we're current living, currently living in, but something is not good. A crisis is brewing and the likely manifestation is fire. Okay, so we might be heading into another fire season um, here close to Powell River. Or it could be that pandemic raises its ugly head this summer. I'm not sure. I don't like either one. So I vote that I'm totally wrong. <laughs> Both Venus and Mercury are retrograde at the time of the uh, summer solstice. Um, who are we going to call and how becomes messed up if we are in a crisis. Transportation locally is a bit of a mess. Our leadership is up for the task, which is good, and the province wants to help out, but can it? Saturn in our fifth suggests that play and entertainment will be affected the most. Women and children in Powell River will be the ones most impacted. Yikes. So it could be just the fire thing where, you know, we're still confined at home. The smoke is too bad. We can't go to the beaches, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Now the players and the positions with respect to each other stay the same, but where all the action happens changes with location. When we cast the chart for Ottawa, which would be the solstice turning point for all of Canada. And I said, only if I have time. And I do have a little bit of time. Yeah, I do. Okay, so the ingress chart for Ottawa. Now, uh, a disclaimer here. Apparently, if the Aries uh, equinox is a rising sign, then that chart holds true for the entire year. Now that's in one mundane astrology text. I'm not sure if that is universally held. But we might want to go with that <laughs> because when I look at an ingress chart for Ottawa, okay, so the people are represented, of course, by that moon in Gemini. Uh, but now it's in the eighth house and I don't like that. Um, but the eighth house is death and taxes. 
So what that could indicate is that we get a bit more of a spike in terms of the pandemic or um, we begin to understand just how much of economic damage has been done. Um, in one podcast that I listened to, they talked about the dead cat bounce in which we might see in June where markets begin to respond to the fact that we're all coming out of isolation. But yeah, by the time summer hits in full by this ingress in June the 20th, we're likely to see what the true economic damage is and just how much that's going to Im impact everyone. And that could be what that moon in Gemini is about rather than uh, a real um, spike from the pandemic. Okay, so the Mars that squares this which it's like, oh, really? <laughs> Must we have a Mars square <laughs> the moon? Um, that indicates um, challenges in terms of how are we going to um, get all of the industries that are, are have to do with entertainment and play, et cetera, plus children and schooling. How are we going to get that kick-started again? I'll probably, closer to the week, of the actual ingress, come back to this chart and talk about it some more. Okay, so coming to near the end of the show and where's that moon? Starting with today, the 30th, the moon is in Virgo, pulling together the planets in mutable signs, Venus and Neptune. The bubble is becoming transparent, I'm thinking, and we can only hope that that is okay. Distractions are the order of the day. Sunday, May the 31st, the moon moves into Venus's sign of Libra as we rise and then checks in immediately with Saturn at Aqu in Aquarius at 1020. Still got to keep our distance in a socially pleasing way. With Venus still retrograde, confusion abounds. Mer Mercury asks if he can share needing comfort. Remember, he's in cancer and support this afternoon. Okay, June 1st. Moon in Libra welcomes us to June and she only checks in with Venus, who is still disappearing from view as she reaches the sun. This just might feel like a regular day. P.S. Today, Mercury hits its shadow degree. Negotiations or contracts in progress today might just hit snags by June 17th when Mercury stations and turns retrograde. Take note. June the 2nd, the moon enters Scorpio at 9.05 and takes aim at Saturn. At 11.30 a.m., challenges to the rules and regulations boil up in an emotional way. The frustration of Mars and Pisces squaring a Venus retrograde at 5.40 p.m. Who is saying and doing what? Because none of it makes sense. This be one of those days where keeping a low profile will be recommended. Okay. Uh, the third, the turning point in relationship redo. So this is the actual conjunction between Venus and the sun. It's at 1043 a.m. Uh, the new possible can now begin to emerge. 
Venus has hit its set point. Now I'm not expecting any actual event coming out of this moment on this day, but our confusion around how to do social on a local level can now move forward. The moon makes a nice trine to Neptune at 7.14 p.m. Prayers, meditation, or escape into fantasy. June the 4th, Thursday. The moon moves into Sagittarius uh, at morning coffee, and of course she hits Saturn. But the breaks or blocks are short-lived, an upbeat day. Okay, June the 5th, Friday. Our first partial eclipse for the month. This full moon shows what you, we, started back at the new moon on May the 22nd. An eclipse, if triggering significant points, planets in your chart can set a tone for the next six months, which won't be necessarily evident, but the topics are worth noting. So the full moon, the degrees you're looking for are 15 degrees of Gemini Sag with 12 degrees of Venus, which would tie into our shifting relationship stuff. But the real kicker is Mars squares this full moon to the degree. Arg. So for those who work in, you know, the police, ambulance, and hospitals, this full moon could be a doozy. So, and as I was saying, with that eclipse, so if you have uh, major points on the mutable angles, so that is Virgo Pisces or Gemini Sag, and in particular, if you have 15 degrees of any of the mutable signs, then this particular eclipse is likely to have big impact in your life over the next six months. Okay, and I would look to the houses and the planets involved to understand what just might be needing to go through um, a change. Now, the fact that Mars squares this, um, the other thing that, uh, you know, makes us get a little scary is uh, just what's happening down in the south. So uh, I looked at what kind of symbolism surrounds uh, Mars in Pisces in relationship to the sun and the moon. And so these are some of the descriptors that comes with that. So Mars in Pisces, not direct confrontation, but messy, without focus, irritation, misdirected, self-destroying, shared suffering, arg. So yeah, like it's really important that we send... Um, uh, prayers to our neighbors in the south. And Mercury and Uranus were also going, hello, hello. They were making uh, contact and there could be a big reveal on this full moon as well because um, Mercury and Uranus are sextiling each other. Okay, uh, anything else I wanted to say about this full moon? So in our chart, or in Powell River, this full moon um, is between the 4th and 10th. Okay, so it could have um, 
people wondering what the rules are. Are the rules changing uh, in Powell River vis-a-vis the pandemic? That's possible. Uh, What else might I say about this chart? Our Mars is in the seventh. So those that we are partnered with, there could be disputes begin to arise out of partnerships that this city has and whether that's economic partnerships or with the province or let me just see what does it say about the seventh house foreign affairs yeah so um friendly or hostile uh it also is the marriage divorce rate oh dear oh dear (laughs) so if you live in powell river and you're relationship is kind of sketchy yeah uh this eclipse on june the 5th could be a death knell ha who knew but otherwise um political or commercial um yeah so there could be this could speak to that what also is happening with that cancer ingress that there is trouble with shipping and possibly ferries yes that could be what it is oh because this is gemini sag and of course transportation is part of their signatures oh dear me (laughs) okay so coming up to the show next week uh Saturday, June the 6th, as the dust settles from yesterday's moon, uh, full moon, it, the moon, of course, moves into Capricorn. Um, no, the moon moves, yeah, the moon moves from Sag into Capricorn, that's right, duh. Uh, <laughs> picking up the pieces and taking responsibility for what? Okay, we'll see when we get there what that was about. Okay, folks, that will be it for this episode 32. And a reminder, if you would like a short anonymous reading, um, your chart uh, uh, used as one of the examples in on my show, then please do go to my website, www.cardinalastrology.ca. Make sure you give me the question as well so that I know what episode I might be able to fit it into um, in terms of what you want to see in your chart. Uh, Having all of your chart details is important. um, And so you might have to do a little bit of search to come up with some of the detail. And I don't know if I've addressed this in the past, but uh, I am thinking that I will give you just a little bit of a lowdown about how to do that. Um, One of the things that lots of people kind of come up short with, of course, is their time of birth. And you're best not to just hit your mom out of the blue with mom what time was I born because she'll probably look at you blankly and go I don't know I don't remember it's better to approach the subject from um, a more a story point of view 
So, Mom, what happened on the day that I was born? You know, if you have siblings, who took care of the kids? Uh, who took you to the hospital? Uh, you know, so you, you set up the events of the day. And that likely will get you closer to a birth time than just uh, out of the gate, straight ask up. If you were lucky and you were the firstborn, you probably have a baby book with it in it. Yeah, not so much if you're the second or third, but the first usually is documented. Uh, you may find a newspaper clipping that will also oftentimes have the birth time. And you can also request records from the hospital if you're still in the town that you were born in. Yeah, so there's a number of ways of approaching it. And asking more than just mom can be helpful, especially, you know, from the person who took you to the hospital uh, or took her to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay, thank you for listening and please remember to tune in all the time to CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. And we'll see you next week. Take care. This is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station.